Hello and welcome to episode number 40 of the Hayfield Digital Podcast, a show for creators, makers, and doers where my goal is to help you make to the max. My name is Ryan Hafey, and in this episode, we're going to be answering questions from the No Small Creator Facebook group. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to the show, episode number 40, 12 episodes away from having been doing this one year every single week. Not going to lie, I was this close to not doing an episode this week uh, just because uh, I've got an engagement tonight, which uh, is going to take up the time that I would normally do the podcast. Uh, So... We're doing it a little bit earlier in the day, but even this is a little bit cutting it close, let alone the fact that I was struggling to find a a good topic today. So, um, but in the last second, I thought, you know what, the No Small Creator, and we'll talk about what No Small Creator is if you're not familiar, but the No Small Creator community is always posting great questions related to content creation and YouTube and all those types of things. So I figured I would um, take advantage of that and comb through some of the questions that people have posted and see, you know, uh, and answer some of the questions that I feel like I am uh, qualified to answer. But first, of course, wherever you happen to be watching or listening, hit that subscribe button if you're not subscribed already. And be sure to follow me on social media at Ryan Havey on Instagram and Twitter. And let's have a conversation once this is all over, because why not? Today, the beverage of the week is good old fashioned uh, orange Gatorade. And there, there are a few reasons why I'm drinking Gatorade today. Number one, I just feel a little bit low on electrolytes. feel like I, I need to stock up a little bit. Um, number two, you know, the, uh, the bubblies and the carbonated beverages are great, but to be honest, they just make me burp the whole time. And that's not really, you know, good, uh, for audio, uh, in, in a lot of cases, but three, I had a conversation with my wife who may be listening out in the kitchen right now yesterday And uh, she says she doesn't like this flavor. And I think that the orange Gatorade flavor is underappreciated. So that's why I'm drinking it today, to shed some light on the fact that orange Gatorade is better than you think or better than you remember if you haven't had one in a while. So we're going to be sipping on that today. Okay. Everything's looking good. All the stats, no drop frames. Internet connection is strong uh, and on point today. We are streaming live, of course, across multiple networks, including Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. So uh, welcome wherever you happen to be watching or uh, listening from. Got to talk about sound of the week. Of course, the sound of the week. Let's go. Last week's sound of the week was... And that's the sound of me putting on a camera lens in the dark. And uh, the sound of the week this week is. See if you can uh, guess what that sound is. If you are a traveling photographer or videographer, you may that, that sound may sound familiar to you. So I'll play it a couple more times. Give it some thought. If you think you know what it is, leave a comment wherever you are watching this video. And uh, I will address it at the end of the episode. All right. So, uh, first, before we get into the main topic, got to talk about some updates. And, uh, 
I guess we really don't. There really wasn't much that happened this week. It's it's well, there was a lot that's happened this week, but nothing really pertaining necessarily to what's going on here. Just a lot of work related stuff, a lot of animal related stuff, and you know we've been catching up on a lot of appointments and things like that lately. You know, eye doctors and doctors, and had to go to the DMV the other day and renew my license. So just a lot been going on. Uh, I did play a little bit with the. D4 Duo, uh, which is the new microphone offering from uh, Deity. And this thing is really cool. I'm going to take off these little muffs here. It's got two dead cats that come with it, uh, as I've mentioned before. And at some point, um, if I can stop being lazy, I'm going to do a review, a full review on this thing because it's a cool little device. But the reason, again, as, I'll, as I've mentioned before, the reason it's so cool is because it records audio in both directions. So if you're one of those people like me who will occasionally, um, you know, if I'm doing vlog style content or let's say I'm, you know, walking around the house or filming an event and I want my audio, audio to be heard as well as whatever audio is going on in front of the camera, this will allow me to be able to record my own voice uh, better than I was previously, um, versus having kind of that muffled sound when you're using just a single one directional shotgun mic. So, uh, played a little bit, did a couple audio tests. The audio sounds fine. I mean, it's well, like a $90 mic, so you're not going to get super crazy professional quality sound out of it, but functionality wise and, and based on the sound that you get out of it, so it's a good value, in my opinion, thus far, although I still need to put it through its paces and take it outside and put it under some different conditions. So I got to do that. But uh, other than that, man, I think it's about it for the week. I will admit um, I was going to go with a different topic today before I settled on um, answering no small creator questions. It's probably going to it was either going to be um, related around OBS and creating kind of little, just fun little effects that I can switch to live and kind of building those in real time. Or, uh, the other one was going to be related to masks and, um, like in premiere in different ways that you can use masks. That one I think could be a lot of fun. I'm going to save that one for a future episode, but, uh, just kind of given how crazy things were this, this week and given how little time I had to really put into planning into this episode, if I'm being honest, the subject that I ended up choosing, uh, is gonna, will work out perfectly for this and it will fit quite nicely. So what I figured I would do, I've got the no small creator Facebook page queued up here in Facebook, and we're just going to scroll down the page. We're going to look and see what, um, some of these people have posted as questions and we'll answer them. But before we do that, for those of you, again, who are not familiar with No Small Creator, uh, basically it's 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 a movement you could call started by Cody Warner, who is uh, a YouTuber, um, a ball overall just ball of energy. I think a lot of people originally uh, came to find Cody based on his collaboration with Peter McKinnon. Uh, Cody did, I guess, a series of videos, if I remember correctly, just kind of like, you know trying to get Peter's attention and, uh, the concept being, Oh, would, would Peter do a collaboration with a, a smaller creator and got Peter's attention? He, you know, Cody came out and they hung out and they filmed a bunch of content for a day. And, and that kind of springboarded Cody's, uh, 
YouTube career, if I'm getting that correct. And if, and if I'm missing anything, I apologize, but yeah, he was doing date. He did daily vlogs for an entire year, which is not unprecedented, but it is incredibly impressive. I did daily vlogs for 30 days and that was a very stressful experience. So, um, good on him, but yeah, so he started this, this mindset, this movement called no small creator, which the concept is, you know, whether you are a content creator with a hundred subscribers or you have a million subscribers, if you're producing content, that's doesn't matter how much of a, a following you have. It's still a big feat. So there's, there's no such thing as a small creator because creation in and of itself takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort and it doesn't matter you know, what level of success you've achieved from it. Making stuff, creating stuff is not easy. So, um, yeah, so he created a Facebook group. I believe he had a, a discord and a couple other places where you could get involved. And, uh, if I remember correctly, it's a private Facebook I mean, you can, you can apply to, to join it and, and most new creators get in as far as I know. And then, yeah, you just, it's just a community of like-minded people. Um, a lot of these people are, are, you know, subscribers, creators with, uh, smaller audiences and, or newer creators are looking to kind of find their way and, or maybe just pass some ideas between everyone and kind of get some feedback and things on stuff that they're making. So a lot of really um, motivated people, really creative people, and uh, that's why I thought it would be a good idea to go through and and see what some of these people are asking. Because I'm not, I try to stay away from Facebook. If I'm not, if I'm, if I'm being honest, Facebook is just kind of like a political playground these days that uh, I'm trying to trying to avoid. But groups like these, where politics isn't part of the discussion, um, you know, they, they can be fun to hang out in. I just haven't been as active on the Facebook page as I probably should be. So that's why we're doing it in this fashion and form here. So let me get another sip of the Gatorade and then we're going to jump right in. So scrolling down here, let's see, do I got my screen? There we go. Cool. So this is on the Facebook page. Uh, let's see if I can zoom in a little bit. There we go. All right. So this question up here from Gordon Naldrit. Okay, you lovely lot. I'm looking for opinions and thoughts on channel names. When I start my started my channel, I went with what I thought was a was quirky and memorable, slightly humorous channel name. As it turns out, it's completely irrelevant for the direction I actually want to take my channel in. Kind of goes along and explains some more. But basically, in your opinion, TLDR, what would be more relatable as a channel name under these types of circumstances? So he gives three options. Was being a nickname or what he's known as, and if his official or real name, or a quirky, more relevant channel name. So far, it looks like there's 14 votes on there. My thought, and you know, I think, of course, there's always a place for uh, having. Oh, there we go. There's always a place for having a channel name that doesn't match who you are or what you do. Uh, I don't know. This is kind of a tough one. I, I kind of lean with the consensus on this one. It looks like uh, most of the votes are leaning towards a nickname or what, what you're known as. And I think that's probably pretty, a pretty good approach that or your real name. Uh, you know, I, I, I think about Maddie Hapoya 
who's another, he, he started out initially as a travel, uh, travel YouTuber. And then I think his uh, channel was called travel feels and then switched over to Maddie Hapoya. And I think that, I think using your name versus using a title that explains the kind of content you create sort of pigeons, pigeonholes you a little bit. So if you say, um, if my YouTube channel name was lover of Sony cameras, um, I would pretty much be, I would have I pretty much have to dedicate myself to making content around Sony cameras. So at least by changing it, which I did, I changed it. I used to have it as Hafey digital. I changed it to my name. Uh, at least having it in that form gives you the opportunity to kind of explore and try different things. And, you know, people can't point back at, well, yeah, but why are you creating content like this when your name is like this? Um, so, but yeah, I mean, if you have another, a nickname that you're commonly known as, you know, if, if, Everyone in my life called me Hateful Nuts, which was actually a nickname of mine when I was uh, in grade school. Then maybe I'd call my channel Hateful Nuts. That's not so much the case anymore, but uh, I'd say go with a nickname. Like Go with who, what you're most commonly known as. Um, let's move on. What do we got here? Someone's asking for feedback on a video. Hey, there's me. Uh, bring this up. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing this one. This is a good question. External hard drive. Should I buy a one terabyte SSD or a four terabyte regular external hard drive? Details. I need to get my video files off my laptop and start storing and editing from externals. I've noticed everything is slowing down. I currently have a four terabyte external and would like to get the files onto two externals. One to use and edit from and one as backup. So I need to purchase an additional hard drive. My budget is 150 or under. I can get another four to five terabyte external for around a hundred or an SSD for 150. I know SSDs are superior, superior, but I guess my question is, do I need to spend that extra money for this situation? The drives will rarely leave the house and the most movement they'll probably see is from my office to the kitchen back. Um, my thought on this is that if whenever possible, use SSDs. I mean, the way that I have my storage set up, um, is I have, uh, a one eight terabyte drive that no editing is done on that. That's strictly a backup drive. Um, I've got another four terabyte hard drive, which an external, which I really don't use for a whole lot. I was storing a lot of my photography on there and I, I suppose I still do but I really don't access that drive a whole lot. It, it doesn't go into use a, a lot. I actually work mostly primarily off of SSDs. So my process is, um, and you know, the, the, uh, SSD that he's showing here on the right is, uh, that's, I have a few of those and granted I have a two terabyte, uh, of those, which, you know, is obviously double the size of the one terabyte you're talking about. One terabyte still, I mean, if you're working project to project and you're not doing a bunch of things at once and you're not using tons of, you know, massive 4K files or, you know, larger, uh, one terabyte file or, you know, hard drive or SSD should be fine. And as long as you're plugging that into a capable USB port or USB-C port, you could edit off that drive all day. Um, a lot of, with these hard drives, their read and write speeds, speeds are not capable of keeping up with the necessary, you know, read and write speeds of, of, uh, just today's editing needs. So if you're trying to edit off of a hard drive, 
then, and you're in, you're noticing things are getting slow, then that's probably your issue. I mean, if you have, I would say just definitely have an SSD. What I like to do is I'll, I'll put any files from a project onto my SSD. I will record exclusively off of that SSD because, you know, you never know if you know, this is my, my typical workstation, but you never know when I, I, I may, you know, unplug the drive and grab my laptop and go work on something up in, you know, just sitting in bed upstairs or, or sitting out on the couch and to have the flexibility to be able to just unplug, go over to the couch and, and continue working, um, is great. So if you have the ability to, if you, if you have the equipment, I would say, um, definitely have an SSD edit off of that. When you're finished editing projects on an SSD, you know, back all of those files up to, let's say, you know, a, a hard drive, an external, you know, if, if you've got another, I don't recall if, uh, if he said he's already got, oh, I currently have a four terabyte external. I would say keep that and then just keep that as kind of a backup or storage drive. And, and also, you know, get something like, um, Google drive. I think I pay 15 bucks a month for it. Again, if you can afford it, um, but for like a, a Google drive business account for 15 bucks a month, you get basically unlimited backup storage. And then now you've got a backup, a hard, a hard backup on your four terabyte hard drive. And then you've also got a cloud backup. So your files are backed up everywhere. But in this case, I would say spend that money on the SSD since you already have the four terabyte hard drive. So you can edit a little bit faster. It's going to help out and speed that process up for sure. Next up. Um, want to challenge myself. Looks like some video feedback. Uh, let's see. What else we got? I like I missed one that I saw earlier. Hmm. Are you happy with the results and performance of your latest YouTube video? If yes, share why. And if no, share what you think you could have done differently. Uh, the answer to that question for me is no. Um, let's see, I'll pull up the channel. So this is my most recent video and currently uh, it's only got 223 views. Question was, if, uh, if yes, share why, and if no, share what you think you could have done differently. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I'm my biggest critic. I think I, I, I look at my, my work and I'm always finding ways that I could change it or improve it. Um, sometimes, I don't know, I struggle a lot with uh, scripting videos versus just kind of doing them on the fly. I feel like the videos that I do kind of on the fly feel more natural. Um, and then the ones that where I kind of try to script things out, or at least give myself some bullet points, uh, they tend to just feel a little bit forced. Um, so, and, and also with this one, there was some footage that I missed. So I probably would have edited certain parts of it a little bit differently and maybe been a little bit more clear if I could. Um, but also, you know, just the, the overall performance of it wasn't that great. If I wanted to, um, just like little tweaks that I could make right now, I might play with the, uh, um, the title, uh, and also change the thumbnail. I find that 
typically speaking, not just for my channel, but in general, thumbnails with uh, um, pictures of whoever it was that created it in the thumbnail tends to help, you know, attract people to watch. I know for me personally, if I'm going to click on a video, it's just, not, and same thing goes with like Instagram and stuff like that. Like if you, you can go to an Instagram profile, that has got a lot of beautiful photos of things. Um, you know, let's say you, you're a landscape photographer and all you post is landscape photography. That's great. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you want to know who's behind the photos, who's making these photos, uh, and, and kind of what's their story. You know, I think it's the creation, the, the, the work that brings you in the amazing photos. And then once you're hooked, then you kind of wanted to see who's behind the curtain and who's doing it. Uh, so I think kind of that same thing applies when it comes to thumbnails. So yeah. What do you think you could have done differently? I guess, I guess I did kind of answer that. So that's, yeah, that's my answer to that. Um, it's awesome. This thing to focus on one of the distraction COVID. I don't want to touch anything COVID related. No offense. Okay. For the purpose of discussion, how has the progression of your channel impacted the content you create? Do you feel like receiving monetary benefits hampers your creativity? Do you find yourself focusing more on potential views and subscribers as your channel grows? I'm really curious to get everyone's perspective on content performance. Um, I think, so the stage that I'm currently in, at least with my primary YouTube channel, is I haven't really sunk into what I feel is kind of like my consistent or like my style. Um, every video with the exception of, you know, like certain series that I've done, every video is a little bit different. And at least in my opinion, there's really nothing that I've posted to the channel that is uniquely mine per se. I struggle with that a lot and I'm still working to find it. Granted, I'm not, I haven't created content for my main channel in a while. Uh, been focusing a lot more on this lately. But for me, I think that, and by the way, I'll put this up so you can see where the question is coming from, coming from Katie Stowe. So for me, I think that, you know, I focus more on what's working for others because I haven't found that for myself. I think I kind of look and see, I pick and choose from what other creators are doing and not, not just not content. I mean, I may get some things from content here and there, but it's more or less what kind of titles are they using? What are they including in their descriptions? You know, even what times are they opening or uh, what times are they uploading? What types of, um, what do their thumbnails look like? And, you know, if you're scrolling through YouTube and if you stop on a particular thumbnail, because it's interesting, it makes you want to click you should pay attention to that because you're like, that's, you know, they figured out how to get your attention. If they can do that, then maybe you can take some of those, you know, some of those tactics that they use in their thumbnail and apply them in some way to yours. I'm not saying completely rip off someone's uh, thumbnails, but you know, look at, are they using bright colors? Are they using text? Are they not using text? Um, you know, is it, is it a bright photo or is it a dark photo? Uh, can you apply some of those things? So yeah, think about, some of that kind of stuff. But, uh, what's the other, she asked a couple questions in this. Do you feel like receiving monetary benefits hampers your creativity? Uh, you know, I really wouldn't know. I haven't done, uh, really any sponsored stuff yet. I did, um, one kind of wireless mic review 
on this podcast, but that I wasn't paid for that. And, uh, it wasn't a sponsorship. They just sent it for me to, to check out. Do you find yourself focusing more on potential views and subscribers as your channel grows? Uh, I, you know, I'm definitely interested in that and I want to be able to optimize for that. I don't know that I've, I've yet changed the way that I create content based around that. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to get, let's see what some of the responses are here. Oh, that's a very long response. Um, I started to teach others and now I do it both to teach others and to make money. I think I've tried to make myself more of an expert and I try to stay relatable. The money part motivates me to think of new series ideas and stay consistent. I will say, you know, like this thinking from the money standpoint, um, you know, for a lot of people, deadlines uh, and things and, and, and assignments uh, force people into creativity. I feel like I'm, I'm probably in that camp. I just have a, a hard time assigning myself deadlines, my own personal deadlines. But, you know, if, if someone's coming to you to give you money to, sp you know, create a sponsored video, um, you sort of have an obligation to create a video that's going to make the client look good, but also make yourself look good. Like you want to create good content either way. Uh, and if you slack off and if you deliver something that, you know, maybe the client just like kind of settles on and like, yeah, it's okay. Well, then you're not going to get, you know, the, the, the chance of them returning to you for more sponsored content probably isn't going to be as good. You have to make stuff that the client's going to be happy with. And you also have to make stuff that the, yet that your audience is going to be happy with. So, you know, um, whether or not you are super interested in it or, you know, whatever it is that you're making for that video, I mean, you should at least find a way to make it to where it benefits you. It's going to benefit your client and benefit your audience. So I would think at least that's kind of how I would break it down. That's, but you know, again, take that for what it's worth considering that I've never really done any sponsored content yet. All right. What we got next? I'm growing the beard out and the mustache is getting long. It's uh, holding on to some of the fluids. How long have we been doing this? Over 20 minutes. Randy Jackson says, not that Randy Jackson. Question for the group. I see some fairly large creators, Jared Pullen as an example, that use very short media clips from movies, etc., for comic relief. All that material is copyrighted in some form or fashion. Is he getting rights to use the individual individual material from its respective owners, or is there some other mechanism that allows for it? Um, that's a question I think that would be better posed to Mr. Poland. But, um, you know, just from my experience making boxing-related content and uploading that to a, a boxing, you know, a, a sizable boxing related YouTube channel. Um, what a lot of people will do, what a lot of, you know, if, if, if there are YouTubers who want to use our copyrighted, cause we're, we're pretty strict. I mean, because we have, you know, network rules and things like that, that restrict who is allowed to use the footage and when. Um, so naturally if, if people are taking our footage and repurposing it, you know, we don't want to do that because there's, there's just a lot of 
um, licensing that goes into it and all that kind of stuff. So, um, what a lot of people will do is they'll take it, the content, the video, the, the broadcast footage, and they'll modify it a little bit. They might make it smaller. Um, and then, you know, in the background, they'll put some like graphics or something that make it harder for the YouTube content ID to, to find it and match it to yours. They might speed it up or slow it down just enough to where it doesn't sync up with yours. Um, you know, or cut certain parts out or, or blur out certain things, or they, they come up with all sorts of interesting tricks. And I say that to say that, you know, if you're, I don't know, legally speaking, if Jared's doing that legally, I don't know. Um, you know, I wouldn't say like, if you just pop up a little clip, cause I've seen Jared Poland stuff and he'll just kind of like maybe take a short clip from a movie that's relevant to what he said in his script. And it might be one to two seconds and it'll just kind of pop up on the screen and it gets back into his script. Um, that wouldn't be considered fair use in my opinion, cause you're not critiquing that or, or criticizing it in any way. It's just, it's just, it, it's there to kind of compliment your content. So is it technically copyright infringement? Uh, I'm not a copyright lawyer. I don't know. I would think that technically it is. But at the same time, if you're taking such a small piece like that, I don't know that you would ever really get yourself in any kind of trouble. And that's not to say you should go out and do that. That's just sort of my opinion as far as like what you could get away with. Could you take someone's, you know, clip from someone's video um, you know, I, I guess you could look at it from another way too. Is it like, are you, if I were to take, if I were to say, Hey, today's video, I'm going to sh do a tutorial about how to do X, Y, Z in premiere pro, whatever it is. And then I just cut to a clip that shows you how to do what I'm planning on talking about from someone else's channel. And then just play that off as my tutorial. Then of course that's infringing on someone else's, but you know, I've, uh, or, or on the other hand, if you're talking about it and let's say you make a reference to someone else's tutorial on this roughly the same topic and you include a small clip there, I would think that that's usable because, you know, you're sort of complimenting it or you're, uh, you could be using it as a critique of this other person's, which, so it may fall more into the realm of fair use. I would say if you're ever going to do that, they'll reach out to whoever it is you're going to take the footage from and at least be like, Hey, would you mind if I use this? And oftentimes people will just be like, yeah. In Jared Poland's case, if he's using things from large videos or, or, or like, you know, like big movie productions or things like that. Uh, I, I can't imagine that he's got the number of every, you know, Hollywood producer and, and can call him up and say, Hey, can I use this clip from this movie? So, you know, I don't really know the answer for that. Um, let's see. Let's see. One of the comments says, I edited for a YouTuber called The Right Opinion, and I would use content downloaded from YouTube that belonged to other people or free stock footage. I don't believe he has the rights to the YouTube ones, but he definitely always credited every single source material in the description and comment and added its links too. Yeah, so I guess, you know, if you're going to do that and if you're going to use for like for comedic effect... Um, if it's super short and, 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 and you leave, you know, if you credit it, leave links to it, I would have to imagine that in most cases you wouldn't run into any issues. So he probably, you know, he's probably okay, but you know, again, I don't know for sure. What else? 
Uh, more video feedback. Do, 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 do. This person says, oh, this is uh, Kel Simmons says, um, go back here. Okay, I'm ready to try something different. I'm ready. I'm ready f uh, to film my first action adventure video. I have a mountain bike and found this absolutely beautiful location with nature reserve, war memorial, floral display, hiking, bike trail, and ornamental lake. I love nature. Someone suggested a GoPro Hero 7 camera. Do you have any other suggestions or opinions for this? Yeah, I mean, you know, the GoPro is pretty much kind of the, the, the first line of defense for most people when it comes to action and adventure videos. Uh, I would, yeah, Go GoPro Hero 7, I would say is a good one. There's lots of other good action cameras out there now. I think Sony makes one now. Um, uh, DJI Osmo Action, I think, is another one that people like. You know, you can't really go wrong. I have a this one back here is a GoPro Hero 7. Obviously, it's not doing much action work at the moment. But, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a decent enough camera. I would just say go with the GoPro if that's what you have access to. Let's see what else we got. Do a few more here. This person posted, what questions do you have about starting or running a YouTube channel? Let's look at some of the, uh, the comments here. Let's see. Uh, I'm wondering when I should start contacting companies about doing reviews on their products. I'm not looking for free product, just the ability to get a product in my field, uh, filmmaking and talk about it on my channel, then return the product. My channel just turned a year old and I'm at 715 subscribers. I would, I mean, look, you know, th there's nothing wrong in my opinion with reaching out to companies at any level that you're at in and just requesting it. I've done it a couple times. Uh, haven't been successful yet. Again, I don't have a ton, a uh, huge audience, but you know, I reached out to road, um, about, uh, this roadcaster pro. They actually responded and said that, uh, well, no, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, you're not hurting anything. And, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, when you have less of an audience, you have to take that initiative because nobody's going to reach out to you, at least initially, uh, until you, you know, really start getting some notoriety and, and growing that audience. Of course, if you have a bigger audience, it makes it easier to reach out to these companies and say, Hey, here, look at what I, this is, this is my audience. This is the kind of content credit I create. Would you be willing to, to send me something? And then, you know, whatever. Uh, but, um, yeah, I would just say, just do it. Like, you know, if you send out 10 emails to 10 companies, you, you may get one or two that'll be like, yeah, all right, cool. We'll send you something to, to review on your channel. So I was, my, my thoughts there are just do it. Uh, more video feedback. Let's see. Let's find one more good one. Hmm. Guess I could. No, nah, I don't want to watch any of the videos. Let's see. Been making YouTube stuff since 2017, and I still forget about shooting a thumbnail every single time. I think it's definitely my least favorite bit. What bits get on your nerves? Uh, I will say that that's also 
a big issue for me. In fact, may or may not remember that I used to have, um, it was kind of up on this shelf here. I just took it down cause it wasn't doing anything, but I took like a, a picture frame and printed on just a single white piece of paper, the word thumbnail, you know, th that was intended to to sort of be in my peripheral vision at all time. If I'm ever shooting in here so that I would remember to shoot a thumbnail and then I would finish a project and then I would realize that I didn't shoot one and would have to backtrack or at least, or pull something from a frame you know, of the video or something like that, which is not optimal. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely gets on my nerves. Uh, there's so many things though that can go wrong when you're shooting a video. The other day I was, um, just in an attempt to try to get myself back in the groove of using the camera more, I just did a, a little like video journal and I recorded for a good 11 and a half minutes and then put the audio in the computer and the, I was using the Rode video mic go or video micro. I can't, I can't remember the difference, but I don't know if, I don't know what the, there was some sort of wonky connection and there was a very light mic feedback throughout the entire clip still hear what I was saying, but the clip was essentially ruined because this audio and, and I could see, I, you couldn't really see it in the audio meter because it was so quiet, but it was definitely noticeable. So just little things like that, where, you know, um, audio issues, uh, white balance. Um, like, you know, if you if you film something with the white balance off for the entire time, that's a pain in the ass. Uh, what was the one I was just thinking of? Uh, oh, focus. Like if, you know, I, I talked actually, I talked last week about one of the customizations you can do with the Sony a7 III. If you have one of Sony's lenses that has a little button on it, or even if it doesn't, if you just want to use it on the body, but um, the ability to quickly switch back and forth from manual to automatic focus by just pressing a button, you can set that customization up. Problem is if you're it's like, oh shoot, I got to grab this clip and you just pick up your camera and hit record it may not be immediately apparent whether or not you're an auto focus or manual focus. And there's been clips that I've definitely ruined because I was in manual focus and I was not in focus in the clip. Um, and now all that stuff just takes time and practice. Just every time you pick up your camera, okay, is my focus on point? Is my white balance on point? How's my exposure looking? Is my shutter speed where I want it to be? You have to, if you're a run and gun shooter, especially you have to make all of those decisions very quickly and it's very easy to forget something or overlook something. And then you just get really frustrated um, at the end of it. So anyway, I think that's a good place to stop with the questions. Some good questions there. If you are uh, a new creator and you're looking for a community where you can kind of uh, just hang out with like-minded people, get some feedback from people, share some of your work, get some feedback from some of your work, check it out. Uh, there is a link in the description of this video to that Facebook page. If you want to see more of it, I also should probably put uh, Cody Warner's YouTube channel link in the description as well. So I will do that after this show, but before we go, of course, we got to reveal the sound of the week. The sound of the week this week was, and uh, like I said, in the beginning, if you travel a lot, or if you uh, have a lot of cases for all of your gear, you may recognize that sound as the sound you hear when you close the clasps on your beloved Pelican case. So that was me closing two clasps at the same time on a, on a big, I don't actually have a Pelican case. It's, it's like Apache. It's like the sort of cheaper 
no name brand from Har- Harbor Freight, but it's actually, I think the, the, the Pelican cases that I got are like, I think they were $80, but if you bought the equivalent Pelican case, it's like 200, 250. So I'll take that. I don't do a ton of traveling with those cases anyway. So for me, it doesn't matter, but yeah, that's, that's the sound of the week. Closing the clasps of a Pelican case. Hey, if you're still with me, it'd be great if you could hit that subscribe button, no matter where you happen to be watching or listening. And uh, be sure to follow me on social media at Ryan Hafey on Instagram and Twitter. Let's have a conversation when this is all said and done. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and call this one quits. So keep on creating, making, and doing. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.